My son uh, sent me that song a couple months ago, and I've listened to it over and over and over again. And it's just vertical. It's vertical. Just praise, just crown him, crown him, crown him. Isn't that what true worship's all about? It's really not about us, it's about him. I, I believe the church has got to get to the place where it's so vertical. Got to take care of the horizontal. Amen? Someday we'll all believe that. He'll take care of it. Father God, we bless you. We thank you. We do. We crown you with praise. The Father's already crowned you, Jesus. You are Lord of Lords, King of Kings. There's no other God but you. Father, as we break forth your word now, God, I pray for a anointed ears. Lord, we thank you that your word is perfect, even though you'll speak perfection through your Holy Spirit. And God, speak to me, the imperfect one. Lord, we bless you in Jesus' name, amen. As you have a seat, get on your phone and go to the Keystone Montgomery app and pull up your outline. And uh, I may frustrate you a little bit. I've got a long outline as normal. I'm probably going to skip about half of it because... God wants to do something. How many of you guys have ever asked someone for a favor? Raise your hand. You say, hey, would you do me a favor? Now, how many of you said, would you do me a big favor? Anybody? Okay, yeah, quite a few. You know, and uh, have you ever had someone come up to you and go, would you do me a big favor? And what do you normally say? You go, well, it depends. Now, when you think about it, a favor, I looked up the specific Webster meaning. It means an act of kindness. So if you got someone that, you know, you go to from time to time and ask for a favor, they, can't, they say no. Next time, don't ask, don't use the word favor. Just say, would you do an act of kindness for me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we don't want to use guilt. But, but that word favor means we, usually it's because we need help because it's something that we can't do. Maybe sometimes we need help because we just don't have the time to do it. But, but various reasons we, we ask for favors. Now, you know, the Bible is packed with the word favor, and the word favor in the Bible means a little bit different than what Webster defined a favor. Let me give you the definition. Favor is to receive great benefits from a superior one. You know, anytime you ask for a favor, you're, you're going to someone because they can do it, right? Or you think they can do it. When God grants favor, he's the superior one. You know, whatever it is you, you need favor from from God, he's got it. He's the one, and according to Ephesians 3.20, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask. Aren't you glad that every time you go to him, that's who you're going to? You're not going to go, I hope he can do this. You can ask me for something, and I go, well, I might, I might not. I don't know if I can do it or not. Unless it violates his word, God can do it. You can do it, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Hanging around my kids too long, watching old movies or whatever. But the other meaning is, is to gaze steadily with interest. I, I, I love this. To gaze steadily with interest. I, I want you to understand this as a, as a Christian, as a child of God. God wants to intently gaze. You know, I, I love watching little children. I, I, you know, it seems like the older you get and... You know, you get grandkids and you, you watch them. Sometimes it's just fun to watch. They're just so unique and they come up with some of the craziest things. But, but you just gaze. You just watch and you, you go, what, what's going to come out of their mouth? What, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? Sometimes it's a little scary. But, 
But God looks. I don't know what you're thinking, but I know this right now. God is intently gazing at me. That's what favor is really all about. It's with interest. God, God cares. So that's what favor is. But God loves to give favor. All through Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, you see a loving God who loves to give favor. He's a God who loves to bless. Now you go, well, what's wrong with the world? The world's not... The wrongness in the world is not about God. It's about mankind who's fallen and we've screwed it up and we keep making it worse and worse, right? I don't know whoever came up with the thought that mankind's getting better and better. I, I, that's, that's definitely not true. But God loves to grant favor. God, God is the, the father of all fathers. He, a good father loves to give gifts, right? And so he wants to favor you. So just say, God wants to favor me. Just say it out loud. One, two, three. God wants to favor me. And so we're going to look at some examples. Some, I'm just going to give their name, and, you, and, and we won't even read the verse. You can look at it on, on, online, because I just want you to understand where we're trying to go. God loves to give favor. Look at Abel in Genesis 4, 3, and 5. Abel, very early on in the Bible, had a brother. They both brought an offering. And now this is not about offerings, okay? So don't get nervous. Ah, he's going to pull the offering and thing. I guess he's got to slide that in. No, no, no. It's the point of favor. Look what it says in verse 3. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Now, it looks good, right? You think, well, what's wrong with this? And Abel also brought to the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings. But in verse 5, it says this, but for Cain and his offerings, he had no regard. And the rest of the story is that Cain kills his brother in rebellion, and things go bad. Why did he give favor? There's a lot of reasons why God gives favor, and I want to give you different ones, but in this case, God gave favor to the one who said, you know what, I'll be obedient, I'll trust you, I'll show faith, I'll bring my best, I'll bring my first fruit. I'm not going to bring you my leftovers. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring you my, you know, my wild onions you know, in the backyard. Hey, here, God, here's my, here's my best, or here's my leftover tomato you know, plant. And there's nothing wrong with giving that. I mean, I'll, I'll be, I've been in countries where that's the best they've got. And if that's the best you've got is two tomatoes, then that's the best you got. But in this case, it's, he had more than that. Noah, you know, the world had gotten so wicked, so wicked, that God regretted that he, he even made mankind. And yet he looked, you know, to and fro, and he found a man, his name is Noah. Look what it says in verse 8 of chapter 6 of Genesis. It says, but Noah found what? Favor. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So God's got eyes of favor. Trust me, he wants to favor you. And it wasn't because Noah was perfect or, or Abel was perfect, but God had a plan. He, 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 and he did. He wiped out most of the earth. He caused the flood. But we, we see favor. I'm glad that God gave favor. Look at Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. Now, you know, here's something unique about Abraham. You know, he's the father of Christianity. But he, he grew up worshiping multiple gods. So God didn't look down and go, oh, this guy is, man, this, this guy is, he's got it together. He's perfect. He's, he's all that. He wasn't, but he became that. He became, he goes, you know what, there is but one God. So look what it says. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. See, we're already seeing favor. You go, what? Why did you choose me? And, and, and you're going to send me somewhere to another land? And he says, and I will make you a great nation. Do you see the favor? I will make you a great nation. This is grace. Sometimes people think, you know, there's no grace in the Old Testament. No, there's grace in the Old Testament. We see, we see grace here. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in all your families of the earth shall be blessed. You, you see favor here? And to eventually through the lineage, we, we get to Jesus. That was the greatest blessing that he had for Abraham. That I'm going to make you a nation. And now this nation Joshua, look what it says in Joshua 3, 7. Remember the Israelites had been in captivity for a little over 400 years. They'd been in bondage for 400 years and, and God comes to Moses and said, Moses, I'm gonna use you and I'm gonna get my people out of oppression. I'm, I'm gonna set them free and I'm gonna send them back to the promised land. I haven't given up on the favored promise that I said. Moses dies and Joshua was his right-hand man and Joshua takes over. And listen to what it says here. The Lord said to Joshua, today, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. That's favor. I mean, we can go on and on and on. and Got a couple more, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they were past childbearing age and they had no kids and you know, and he was a priest, and, and he, you know, he, he, a priest wants to have a son so you can keep the priestly family going. But look what it says here in Luke. We have it here. It says, thus says the Lord has done for the, you in the days when I looked on me and to take away my reproach among my people. This is, Elizabeth saying this. Here's what happens. The story real briefly is it was his month to go in and offer incense there. He gets in there, and it's, 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 they're not in there very long. A moment or two is so all you're supposed to be in there. Then you come out and you do the Arianic blessing. He's in there for a while. They're like, people are going, well, why is he still in there? Why is he still in there? Because an angel showed up and says, I have seen you and I've seen Elizabeth, your wife, and I've heard your prayers. And today I'm going to honor you guys. And he didn't believe and he became deaf for about nine months. But, but my point here is this, God showed favor. And because of that, we get John the Baptist who prepared the way for Jesus. You see what favor does? Favor just doesn't affect you. It affects others. It affects a lineage. Joseph and Mary. Here's a young teenage girl who's betrothed to Joseph. And look what it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. It says, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This angel shows up, Gabriel shows up, and is a messenger and saying, uh, I've... God has seen you. I, I stand in the presence of God. I come to bring you a message today that God is favoring you. Not to the point of worshiping her or praying to her, but Jesus is going to come. The Savior of the world, the Savior who's going to forgive sins is going to come through you guys. That is favor. Matter of fact, even Jesus himself. Believe it or not, because remember, Jesus is fully God. He's fully man. Look what it says in Luke 2.52. We, we don't think about this very much. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. I, this is favor. that He gives, you know, when, when I get to heaven someday, I hope that we get to talk to Jesus' brothers and sisters. I can't imagine what it was like. 
Can you, I mean, the questions, and maybe God doesn't allow us to know all that. I don't know, but I sure, I'd sure like to know what was it like to see going, man, this guy, he, he's like, he just reads the verse and he knows it. And sometimes he don't even read it and he knows it. How, how, how all is this? My point I want you to get is this. God loves to give favor. And many of the times, you know how he does favor? He does favor through other people. This past week, you, I hope that you gave favor, that you allowed God to give favor through you to someone else. I, I'll give you an example. Just recently, uh, I, was, I was in the hood, and I, I went to this little small grocery store. It wasn't even in this state, all right? And I went in to get something, and as I was going down with the aisles, I saw these two dudes. They're, they were gangsters, Okay? And uh, it's like, you know, I didn't say anything, but I just walked by. But I prayed. I go get my stuff, and I'm coming at the checkout, and here comes one of the guys. And I'm not even going to go into how he was dressed, because that doesn't matter. Because if I told you, you think, you said, well, I think you were being whatever. No, I wasn't being anything. I was just going, Lord God, if you want me to do any ministry to this guy, I'll do it. I wasn't being judgmental. I just knew this guy was one bad dude. Okay. I may be old, but I'm not that old. And so he, this guy he comes and gets right. I'm checking out doing my food. And the Lord just, just quick says, buy his food. So I looked over. and The only thing I will tell you, he had this one shirt underneath his jacket that was a skeleton bones. You can see rib cages on it. And, and I kind of like, dude, you look a little hungry there. You know, he kind of laughed a little bit, you know. And uh, I said, put this on here. I got you. He goes, no, man, really? Ain't nobody ever done that. I said, no, really, man. Jesus is, I made it very clear. Jesus has blessed me. I want to bless you. Jesus loves you. And I went on for a moment or two. And the lady checking out, she was like, wow. And it wasn't because of me. It's, see, I have a spirit of perfection in me. He's called the Holy Spirit. I, I have God living in me. And God's going, and you take care of that dude. And I wasn't judging the guy by any means. I mean, it, it's, he had more money than I had. I don't know. But I took care, and he's like, man, ain't nobody ever done this. And, you know, he was, he was like stunned, and, and, uh, and I was, he, he comes, and as I'm paying, he gives me this hug. I'm like, whoa, okay, cool, dude. Like, man, everybody's like, this old white dude with his young, young guy. As we pay, he walks out, he goes, what's your name? I told him my name, and, and he told me his name, and I, he says, man, nobody's ever done this. See, that was God showing favor because God spoke to me and said, this guy grew up. His mom took him to church when he was a little boy, but he dropped out. I even, I even told him that. He said, yeah, yeah, you're right. So favor, it's not something we hoard. Favor is something that we give away. So we know what favor is. God loves to give favor. Third thing I want to see is God can limit his favor. He can limit his favor. There's a song that sometimes we hear called God Bless America. And you know the story behind that was it's a young guy, a Jewish guy. Uh, he wrote it when he was young. But he came to this nation in the late 1800s from Siberia. Jewish guy. He, he's written a lot of different songs. Broadway. He wrote this song. He put it away for like 20 years. He thought, nobody's going to ever sing that song. But let me tell you why he wrote it. He goes, there's something unique about this nation for some reason, even with all the mess and all the screw-ups and all the stuff. Remember, this is back in the 1880s or 1890s, I think, is that all the screw-ups we had, it was still, he said, he realized, 
There's, for some reason, this country is favored. Favored and being favored, that's not what we're saying. America is not God's favorite nation. But our nation has been favored. I don't think anybody could disagree with that. That's why people want to come here. But is the favor going to stay? Does God have a limit? I'll give you just a couple examples. One is Ellie. We say Eli. Look at what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Eli was a good high priest for a, for a while, but then uh, we'll just see what happens. Why do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling? This is God speaking. To, it says, and honor your sons. Look what it says. And honor your sons above me. And honor your sons above me. You know, you know what God is saying? You don't honor, you're not supposed to honor anybody above me. I love my kids. I love my grandkids. And you know what? You should. You should bless them and everything else. But don't ever put your kids or anything, your job or anything above God. And he's going, why are you honoring your sons? And uh, me, but fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering to my people in Israel. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You see what he's saying here? When it's all said and done, ultimate honor comes from God. The only reason why you have what you have is because of God. You may, you may think you've got it. You, listen to me. You may think you earned it, but someday you're not going to have it. You're going to be in a box, whether it's gold, wooden, whatever it is, and you're not going to have it. And you're going to realize, man, what you have is because God favored you for some reason. And he was favoring his wicked sons. You can go read the story. So Eli. Uh, King David, 2 Samuel chapter 12. We'll just read all 7 through 12 here. King David. Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. See what God is saying. Here's what I did for you, David. I protected you. I blessed you. I gave you victory after victory. But because of your sin, your adultery, and I gave you to your master's house and your master's wives and your arms and, and gave to you the, the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord? Despise the word of the Lord. When a person, a family, a city, a nation, or church begins to despise the the word of the Lord, and begin to change the word of the Lord, guess what? You watch, favor will begin to depart. Just principle through scripture. What? says in, you know what, I'm not even going to read the rest. I'll give you other examples. We're not going to read these, but the nation of Israel. I am going to go to this one, the city of Nazareth. The city of Nazareth. Jesus had gone down, he'd been baptized by John the Baptist, the Spirit of God had come upon him, he'd gone out into the, the wilderness and, and been tested and fasted for 40 days. He eventually goes back to his hometown, Nazareth. Uh, he went to the local synagogue where he, he was at. They ran him out of town. It says that when Jesus had finished these parables, he, he went away from there. 
And coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? And he says, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? You you see what, what they're doing? The familiar got to them. You know what? That can happen too in a church. The familiar. We come in, we do two songs, we, we welcome, we do two songs, we preach, we do a song, you know, we, we, we take up an offering, we leave and go. And if you're not careful, we can get familiar and just come in and not be changed. That's what they were doing. And are not all these sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works. And why? Because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. Then he he goes to Capernaum and he just does a miracle after miracle after miracle because they honored his word. They honored who he was. You know, we're, we're living in a time where unbelief in our nation, in our cities, in our churches it's gone to another level. Things that we're seeing. I put it this way. The Bible talks about if this is the earth, God's hand of protection. He could, God's hand is so big that all the thousands and thousands of light year galaxies stretch between his thumb and his fingers, what the word of God says. That's, that's a pretty big hand. I think he can take care of our earth. I think he can take care of me. You. But when God sees his people continuing to do what we've been doing, unbelief and walking in sin after sin after sin and the things that we're doing to our children, become a nation that says, you know what, we'll start putting drag queens in our schools and teaching our children, guys, something's wrong. And guys, I want to be loving and I am loving. I've met with pretty much every kind of person who has every kind of issue there is. I'm going to stay with the truth, but I'm going to do it in love. And when God continues to see what happens, his favor, and I don't know about you, but I've, have you not seen the favor of God on our nation leave? And leave? I, I'm amazed God put any favor on our nation anyway. <laughs> okay, I read, I read. I've been around. I got 65 years of history. We can't continue to do what we're doing and continue to act the way we're acting and expect God to bless and get grant favor and grant favor and grant favor. Those days, I mean, when you look up and you realize that China has police stations in our own nation, in our nation, in our nation. You go, I don't believe that. Go look it up. Our FBI knows, our government knows. Their own police station where they police Chinese Americans and persecute them and threaten them and beat them up. Something something has happened. When just this past week when a, a, a guy who's on our Iranian terrorist list was caught in Texas, not at the border, he made it past the border, a Texas ranger found him in the trunk of a car. You go on and on and on and on.
I want to share something with you that it was over a year ago. I know some of you don't know me, and, and, and I, I get that and understand that. And I don't know where your stance are. Is, you know, I, I believe the Bible is the final word spoken as far as doctrine and theology. Okay? But God still speaks. He still speaks. And 99% of what I hear from God is always just reading the Bible and he speaks. But sometimes God will do unique things. And over the 10 or 12 years, God has shown me different things. A lot of times, I, sometimes I will share it with you guys. Sometimes I don't. I'll, I'll say, God, do, do they need to hear? Sometimes they say, yeah. Sometimes they go, no, they don't need to hear. They're not ready. I didn't say that. that he said that. So if you, don't get mad at me. If you want to hear everything, get ready then. But remember one, that some of you remember this. This was like 10 years ago. I shared a, a, a vision that God had shown me, and I wasn't even asking for it. I was just praying about something. All of a sudden, God showed me. Uh, I was praying for our nation. All of a sudden, God showed me this house, and I knew what the house, the house represented the house of America. It's like the house of Judah, the, you know, the house of Jacob, whatever. And it was moving slowly, and all of a sudden, it picked up a, like warp speed, and then it went off a cliff. And, I, and, and God was interpreting it as I was watching it and seeing it, and I, I knew what it was. He was saying, Things are about to speed up and go bad really quick. Now, can anybody argue about that the last five, ten years? No, you, you can't. And I, but I shared this ten years ago, nine or ten years ago. They went off the cliff, didn't totally explode or crash, but it wasn't good. And I've shared different other things. I just shared that to say, hey, I want to let you know, if I share it here, it's because I've sat on it and soaked on it and go, you know, I know this is from the Lord. This is not because I ate too many tacos last night or, or something like that, you know. But about a year ago, God began to show me some things. Real, it doesn't mean I'm not going to tell you how, but here's some of the things he shared. He said there's a spirit of Antichrist. And I shared this about eight years ago. Remember I said the spirit of Antichrist is going to come more powerful over this nation than ever before. Guys, listen, the Bible talks about that in the end times. I said there will be a spirit of control, a spirit of destruction, a spirit of division, a, a, a spirit of deception and and I said that our nation will continue to go apostate without a move of God. Apostate means we just leave God, we leave his word. I'm convinced over 50% of all churches in America right now are apostate. They're not teaching the word of God. They're not teaching the word of God. They're throwing some in there, but, but they're drifting. They want to teach what they want to teach. And during this, you would see a hatred towards Christians a searing of the mind. I'm going to read something to you that I'm just going to, I'm going to read it. This is about half of what God shared, but it's all the time I got. God can say whatever he wants to say. Sometimes he says different things. He said, there's a great war in the heavenlies that my church is not even aware of. And we know that. I mean, we, we can see the war here some are even saying that they think someday that, the, that our nation will be in a civil war again. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying that, though. I, I don't know. God didn't show me that. But I do know this. There's a war going on. You know, 40, 42% of our GZs are diagnosed with mental health conditions. 42%. Three Chicago police officers died in, 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 in one week. I just read this week. Two no, committed suicide. Two uh, 
fire chief, fireman, this past week committed suicide. You go on and on and on and on. And you read a comment here from a, uh, a, a person who calls himself a, the first gender queer priest and shares that normalizing it for children is, is the goal. You go on and you, you see, we're seeing this, guys. We're seeing this. Now, listen, I'm talking to the church here. Non-church, lost people, spiritually-led people, whatever they do, don't be surprised, right? But when the church is saying it's okay or not saying anything, or if we say it, we say it in hate, that's wrong. But here's what uh, I'm just going to read. Voting is important, but voting won't win this war. I didn't say that. I wrote that down with what I sensed. I heard God speak, and I heard God speak this, not audibly, but as clear as I'll get out. Voting is important, but voting won't win this war to the level that is needed. Voting is not enough. Pray, and then he says, pray to a level that has not been before. See, we think, and I'm all for voting, okay? We believe you should vote, but too many people have trusted in their vote. Are you kidding me? I voted for people in the past. I thought they did, you know. So he got, this is from God. God is saying, vote, but voting's not enough. We, we, we want to sit back and think, okay, we're, we're well, let me just keep reading what, what, what I'm. He said, time is running out. Enough is enough. My bowl of wrath is about to be poured out, and I will, but I will rescue my true people. Now, we believe, or at least this is what we teach here. You, you, we can all have different opinions. I believe that the rapture of the church will happen before the bowl of wrath. Oh, that's going to happen, the, the tribulation. And I believe that's what he's saying here, is when he's saying, I will rescue my true people. So many of my children are deceived and don't realize the time is near. They're not heeding or seeing my warnings. They are busy about their way. And God here says, I'm saying, wake up. Wake up. That's what he's saying to his bride. Wake up. I'm going to surprise you. I'm not going to surprise you, but God said something here. That, that's, he says here, my children must be strong in the armor of the sermon. We've got so much deception going on now. You go, I, I don't even, truth could come. You go, I don't even know. Is this truth or is this a lie? You know, it's, we, we got to have greater discernment than ever before. And so he said, my children must be strong in the armor of discernment. This is not about, this, listen to this, this is not about saving your nation to what you want it to be. I didn't say this. I'm just praying and hearing and writing as fast as I can hear God. If you don't like what this said, you, you need to share that. This is not about saving your nation to what you want it to be. And he's talking to the church here. It's about bringing salvation to the people in our nation. It says, fight for the souls, not your rights. You know, when I see people go, it's my right to do this, it's my right to do this. No, you're, then you're not a Christian then. Because at least you're not following Jesus, because Jesus basically says, no, 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 follow me. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Basically die to yourself. You don't have any rights. You know one of the greatest things, and I can say this, and I pray this, God, I am so thankful that I am just a bond slave. It's so freeing that I'm a bond slave. You know why? Because I got a great master. He's a phenomenal master. I just, you know, I couldn't have said that when I was 
in, you know, in my 20s probably. I, I, you know, I could teach it a little bit, but I'm going, you know what? The more and more I see this. It ain't about my rights. We spent more time at my right, my right, my right. And I get where some of that's coming from. But guys, listen, we need, the church needs to die to itself and follow Jesus and be like him. He didn't come in and take over Rome. That's what they thought. That's what they thought the Messiah was going to do. No, no, no. He's going to do I didn't come for a kingdom that way. I will eventually take over Rome. I'll take over every nation there is. But I've come right now to bring the good news. And listen, guys, the gospel is the power not just to get me to heaven. It's the power to change my heart and your heart. I was talking to one of my African-American pastors uh, this past week. I, and we were talking because we're good friends. I said, you know what? The enemy wants to divide me and you. If he can get me and you divided where, where I'm mad at you or you're mad at me or I'm this and I'm that, guess what? We're done. God will never pour out his spirit on the city until we're, there's a oneness and there's a unity. of going, you know what? It's not. And, and, I, and I told him, I said, he, he's a good friend of mine. I go, look, I respect your blackness. I hope you respect my whiteness. I see your blackness, but also I don't see your blackness. And he knows what I mean by that. What I see is we're two brothers in the Lord that we got the same issues around us to some level. Now, he may have harder ones. But God is saying, you know what? Jesus gave up his rights. Did he not? And if we keep going the way we're going, the favor of God is going to continue to leave, continue to leave, and lawlessness is going to continue to increase. Now, that's me preaching. I'm going to go back to what, what I believe he said. He said, there's a Great ripe harvest now. The other thing he said, this was a year ago. I am providing a pause. You think we're through with all this and man, we made it again because we're Americans and we're, we're just we're just great global people. If you think we're done with all this stuff, you are not very discerning. We are not done. It's gonna get worse. Dang, Pastor, every time you come, it seems like you always say something like that. I'm just giving you a warning, man. All right, if the bridge is out and I don't warn you, then I'm not your friend. I'm providing a pause. He says, I'm restraining for now to allow my bride slash church to act. She's not very much aware of what I'm doing. She Get this. This will tell you this is not me because I don't talk like this. She lacks romance and intimacy with me. That's what, that's what, God is, that's what Christ is saying here. I'm calling her to me so she can stand in the difficult days that are coming. Now, this blew me away. Well, I'm not going to share that. Two to time. You didn't listen fast enough. Last thing. Go back to our outline. With all this, what I'm saying here is, if I left you now, you go, what a bummer. All right, I I left you hanging. All right. I, I heard you grunt over there. This is really strange. Right in the middle, I'm doing all this, just writing as fast as I could in my little journal. And he says, Jonathan Kahn is correct. The gods are being loosed. Whoa, where did that come from? Go read his book, Jonathan Kahn. It's called The Return of the Gods, a little G, G G-O-D-S. You'll have to read it twice. It's not very long. You'll have to read it twice. And some of it, at first, you've got to be kidding me. One of the reasons why I believe we're going to be in the book of Judges is because when you look at the book of Judges, you see all the little G gods, right? You see Bel, you see Ishtar, uh, you see Molech. We'll, we'll, we'll teach some of that while we go through Judges, but you go read on your own and see what they were doing, these gods. 
They went kind of away because of the gospel. The gospel kind of shut them up a little bit. But what happens with a nation or world when the gospel begins to get watered down? Guess what? They come back. So some of what we're seeing, guys, it ain't just flesh against flesh. It's spirit against. All right, now we'll go back. I got to wrap this thing up. Praise team, you can come on up. God can restore favor. Amen? You're saying, thank God you finally got some good news again. There was good news in what I shared with you. God says, be romantic with me. Be intimate with me. That's what it says in 2 Chronicles. We'll read this off the, the screen there in 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is the third king of Israel, Solomon. He's about to, to uh, dedicate, well, they're dedicating the temple there. He knows the wicked history that, that you know, when you read, when we go through the book of Judges, you, you, you'll see conquest, compromise, and curse, right? Isn't that what you see? All through the Old Testament. That's kind of the way we are right now. But the good news is God knows our heart and knows our tendency. But here's, and he put a clause in there. He says, if, if my people who are called by my name, that means they're, they're our children, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I've had people come to me sometimes and go, you know what, I pray, I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. Guess what? They probably are. And when they tell me that, I'm going, okay, what, what are you doing? What, what, tell me, are you loving God right now? Blah, 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 all this other stuff. Come to find out usually they're in deep sin that they're not being repented of. And that's what happens. But God says, if my people, if my people. Can I tell you what the real thrust today is? To get this church to the point that we're so broken over our nation, over our city, over our families, over our world. Not so they can be what we want it to be. But it'd be what God wants it to be. See, I, I, God can give favor to an individual. But even your individual favor can be limited when God's not favoring a nation. I'll be going to two different nations in the next couple of weeks that you'll see persecution, you'll see favor, you'll see both. But when God limits it over the nation, it's even limited over his individual Christians. That is coming, guys. I'm just telling you, if we don't repent, if the church in America does not repent, that's what we're going to be walking in sooner than you think. I want to show you a picture. I think we have that picture here. Yeah. Been there about seven times. It's the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. When they built that in the third century, they built it low to remind you that when you come to church, and that was just church, but we should be reminded all the time to be low, to humble yourself. Kind of a cool picture, isn't it? You know, if we'll get up every day and humble ourselves, humble ourselves, say, God, this is way over my head. God will pour out his spirit again. He promised it. I think I read it. I mean, I left it out. There's a harvest of souls now, not coming now. You'll read in the book of Revelation, there's a harvest of mighty souls in the seven-year tribulation. Doesn't that blow your mind? You know where I believe most of those are? They're going to be those people. A lot of them are going to be those people who were left behind, who thought they were Christians. They were a part of that apostate. And they're going to realize, whoa, that's who I believe many of those will be.
So here's the call. Is there anything you need to turn from? Is there anything I need to turn from? Am I willing to give up my rights? I say, God, I'll do whatever. I'll go wherever. Here's what I believe, and I share with my pastor friend Thursday. No, it's Friday. I almost said his name. It didn't really matter, but I said, I believe this with all my heart. God has shown me this. There's a dream for the city. There's a dream. God loves Philadelphia. God will grant favor to the city. Or out of the spirit on the city. We'll come together and get rid of all of our hatred, our racism, prejudice, adultery, fornication, pornography. Start repenting of that and come together. I don't even think we can imagine how much God wants to pour out His Spirit on us. I mean, I want it bad. I want it bad, but I tell you what, He, he wants to pour it out more than we can imagine. I'm going to ask us to do something we don't do quite often. We don't do it enough. We used to have prayer. We, we, I don't know what happened to them. I'm not sure how they got out of here. I don't, I don't even remember. I'm not blaming anybody. I don't know. Maybe I'll hold them off. I don't know. We are not spectators or participators. If I don't repent, guess what? It affects. Go read, go read David. If I don't repent, it's going to affect others around me. I'm going to ask men. I don't even want to see a lady up here. You stay in your seat. I don't want to see some men humble themselves and just come up here and begin to pray and confess the sins of the city. Confess the sins of our community. Come on, men. Get rid of your pride. It sucks. It stinks. Get rid of it. We need men. We need to humble ourselves. I want you to just cry out unto the Lord. I, I can't conjure it up. You can't even conjure it up. But I pray that we as men are broken, that we're broken over what we see. I know all of us can't come forward. We don't have enough room. So if you're there, don't feel guilty. But I want us to right now, just bow our head. And let's make room for God to do what he wants to do. I hope that we walk out here bothered, bothered. Look, there's nobody likes to be happy and clappy in church than me. Trust me. I like to dance before the Lord, and I, and I do. But I think so many times we've gotten so clappy and happy and want to feel good all the time. There's nothing wrong with that, but we don't want to be bothered. I hope we're bothered today. I hope we're bothered. Not... Bother to the point where, God, we say, forgive us, cleanse us. But we don't walk out of here in guilt and condemnation and shame. Daniel eleven thirty two 32b. Daniel was saying, this is in the midst of horrible times. He was in exile. 
He said, the people who know their God, the people who know their God will stand strong and do great exploits. Who know their God, who know their God. I pray you know him and you know him well. I want to have a word of prayer. We're going to have a song. Father God, we know humility is not necessarily just getting on our knees. Humility is not just bowing our head. We know humility is of the heart. And Lord, I want to pray that we would humble ourselves and confess our sins of anger. There's anger in this room. There's bitterness in this room. There's racism in this room. We'd like to think it's not, but it is. There's prejudice in this room. There's a judgmental attitude in this room. Lord, there's a pride in this room. There's arrogance in this room. There's a denial in this room right now saying, ah, that ain't going to happen to our nation. There's a denial. Lord, we're praying that our church in America would so repent. You'd pour out our spirit, your spirit, and we see such a move of God. I pray you do something so awesome that only you can get glory and honor. Thank you, Lord.